Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. To the contemporary progressive mind, the idea of a hereditary privileged class is despised. What is the Torah's view about such privileged classes? The question, of course, is not about a privileged class that misuses its privilege to abuse others. That is certainly undesirable. The question is, how should the average Jew feel toward those who have been placed by the Torah in hereditary positions of privilege? What should be our attitude toward Kohanim and Leviim, who served in the Beis HaMikdash, and the kings of Israel? Is it correct to resent their privilege, or is there another approach? Parsha's Korach, this week's Parsha, is about a man named Korach, who rebelled against the rulership of Moshe Rabbeinu, against the choice of Aaron and his children as the Kohanim, and according to Rashi, even against the choice of the Levium as being a special tribe that had special responsibilities and privileges related to the Beis HaMikdash. Even though Korach himself was a Levi, Rashi understands that Korach was against that choice also. Uh, the rebellion of Korach was put down in very dramatic fashion by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is not our topic for discussion today. Rather, let us take a look at a Pusik near the end of the, the, the whole narrative in Perak Yud Zion, Pusik Hay, which says as follows, And there should never again be anyone like Korach and his congregation, as Hashem spoke through the hand of Moshe regarding him, meaning according to Rashi, regarding Korach. No one should ever again be like Korach, as Hashem spoke to Moshe regarding this matter. Rashi is bothered, as we ourselves should be bothered, by this, this expression, biyad Moshe. We don't speak usually to someone's hand. So why does it mention that Hashem spoke through the hand of Moshe? Says Rashi, Remez l'cholkim ala kahuna. This is a hint that those who disagree with the kahuna, those who rebel against the institution of kahuna, shalaykin b'tsaras, that they are afflicted with saras, they are afflicted with a leprosy-like affliction. Kamoy shalakam moshe biyadai. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu was stricken with saras on his hand. Where do we find that? Shenemar. It says in Shemais, Vayoytziyah, Moshe Rabbeinu took his hand out of his garment, Vehine yadoy mitzaras kasholag, and behold, his hand was stricken with saras, white as snow, etc. Now, this Rashi is very puzzling, because if we take a quick and simple look at the Psukim in Parshas, in Sefer Shemais, the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was stricken with Saras is clearly not 
because he somehow opposed the institution of kahuna. That is not what the story over there is all about. The story there, the narrative there, is about when HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to Meshur Rabbeinu, who at that time was living in the land of Midian, with his father-in-law Yisrael and his wife, Sipoira, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Meshur Rabbeinu that I want you to go back to Mitzrayim, and I want you to be my agent to rescue the Bnei Yisrael from Mitzrayim. As we know, Moshe Rabbeinu resisted, he claimed he is not worthy, and he said something which is somewhat disparaging about the Klai Yisrael. He said, Lo yaminuli, they're not going to believe me when I tell them that Hashem has sent me to rescue them. And Rashi there says that this is why Moshe Rabbeinu was stricken with Saras. Rashi says that Hashem was hinting to him that he, Moshe Rabbeinu, had spoken Lashen Hara. He had spoken negatively. When he said, they won't believe me. And therefore, he afflicted him with Saras. Similar to what happened to Miriam. Miriam in Parshas Baalaischa, we read, she spoke negatively about her brother Moshe. She had good intentions and other mitigating factors, but in fact, it was judged that she spoke disparagingly about her brother Moshe Rabbeinu. She spoke Lashen Hara, and what was her punishment? She was stricken with Saras. So according to Rashi, our Pasuk here in Korach is hinting to us that no one should ever be again like Korach and his congregation that was Cholik ala kahuna, that rebelled against the institution of priesthood, because watch out, because whoever does that will get Saras on his hand like Moshe Rabbeinu. Well, wait a minute. That's not why Moshe Rabbeinu got Saras on his hand. Moshe Rabbeinu got Saras on his hand because of the more classical reason for getting Saras, because he spoke Lashen Hara. What is the connection between that and the Saras that, that Hashem will afflict somebody who uh, rebels against the Kohuna? What is the connection between these two phenomena? That Moshe Rabbeinu was stricken with Saras because he spoke disparagingly about the Jewish nation and Koirach, who was stricken with Saras because he rebelled against the institution of the Kahuna and the tribe of Levi and the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu. I believe that by comparing the two, Rashi is teaching us a profound insight about those who rebel against the Kahuna and other privileged classes in general. It is true that Korach and his congregation, they claimed, The entire congregation, they are all holy, and Hashem is amongst them. And one would have to assume that in general, anybody who rebels against the institution of the Kohuna would say such things. And it would appear that they are trying to lift up the reputation of the general populace of Klal Yisrael. 
they are saying, how could it be that Aaron and his progeny get special privileges? We're all very special. We're just as good as they are. That seems to be the the philosophy, the outlook of those who disagree with the kahuna. But I think that Rashi is telling us that it's just the opposite. When people complain, how could it be that those people, the kahanim, have all these privileges? The profound understanding of it is, the, the inner explanation of what they are saying is that they do not appreciate their own chashivos, their own importance, their own significance as being, quote-unquote, a plain Jew. The truth is, as the Mishnah in Pirkei says, chibi yaseru noidas, a special affection is known to Klal Yisrael from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the fact that there are kohanim does not take anything away from the glory of the Klal Yisrael. Just the opposite. This that these people are asking, are demanding that they also should be kohanim, this shows that they do not understand the greatness that they, they possess as being, quote-unquote, merely plain Jews. When people complain, how could the kohanim have all these privileges? How could the Levium have all these privileges? How could the kings of Israel have all these privileges? Really, this stems from an inferiority complex. They think that they're nothing, and therefore they are jealous of those who are something. What they forget to realize is, what they fail to realize, is that they are not nothing. As a Yisrael, as a Jew, they are very, very great. The fact that there are some Jews who have some special responsibilities takes nothing away from the greatness of the general populace of Klai Yisrael. This is the comparison that Rashi makes between the tsaras of Moshe Rabbeinu and the tsaras that will afflict those who are choylek ala kahuna, who rebel against the kahuna. The common denominator is that both of these people disparage the regular Jew. They disparage Klal Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he said, they will not believe me that Hashem is going to rescue them. So Moshe Rabbeinu was underestimating the, the trust that the Klal Yisrael had in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Koirach and those of his ilk, when they say, we want to be Kohanim, it's no fair that others are Kohanim and not us, what they are doing is they are underestimating their own greatness as being Yisraelim. Let us continue this thought by examining another section of Parshas Korach. Again, this is towards the end of the whole narrative. And here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides to make a sign which will show once and for all the, the choice of Aaron to be the Koyan. Let's read a few psukim in Perak Yud Zion, beginning with Pasuk Tezayin. Hashem el Hashem spoke to Moshe. Daber b'nei Yisrael, speak to the b'nei Yisrael. Bekach me'itam, and take from them mate mate leveisov. Take from them a staff, a stick of wood, from each tribe. Me'es kol nesiyehem leveisavaysom, from 
all of their nisiyam, from the leaders of each tribe, shneim asar matais, twelve sticks, ish eshemai tichtev almatehu. Each man, each nasi, should you should write upon the stick that belongs to his tribe. So you will take a stick from the tribe of Ruvain, and you will write the name of the leader of the tribe of Ruvain on that stick. You will take a, a stick from the tribe of Shimon, and you will write the name of the leader of the tribe of Shimon on that stick, and so on. And now, Pasuk Yudches. The name of Aaron you should write on the stick that is taken from the tribe of Levi. Because they are one tribe. The tribe of Levi is one tribe. The Kohanim, the children of Aaron, they are Leviim, but they are chosen for an additional special task. Now, what do you do with these sticks? You will place them all in the oil mo'ed, in the tent of meaning, meeting in the mishkan. You will place them in front of the testimony. That I uh, confer with you there. In other words, you will take these sticks and put them in the holiest part of the mishkan, in front of the Arain HaKodesh. Now the person in whom I choose to be the Koyin, his stick, Yifroch, his stick will bring forth flowers. And I will thereby calm the complaints of B'nai Yisrael that they complain to you. So, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the Bnei Yisrael about this project, and they gave in their sticks, and it says, he placed them, and then it says in Pasuch of Moshe placed these sticks in front of Hashem, in the tent of the testimony, and it was the next day, Moshe Rabbeinu came back to the to the tent to the Mishkan, and the stick that had Aaron's name on it, the stick that belonged to the tribe of Levi, Parach, it brought forth flowers, etc. Let us just note one more point. That we skipped in Pasuk Aleph, it says that Moshe spoke to Bnei Yisrael. And they, the Nesiyim, the leaders of each tribe, gave to Moshe Rabbeinu. Each one gave a stick to represent their base of their clan. Altogether, there were 12 sticks. And the stick that had Aaron's name on it was It was amongst their sticks. Rashi says that means Hashem put the stick belonging to Aaron in the middle. So people should not say People shouldn't say, well, you know why Aaron's stick sprouted flowers? because it was closest 
to the Shechina. It, that was the stick that was closest to the Aron HaKadosh. So instead, Moshe Rabbeinu put down all the sticks, and he put Moshe, he put Aaron's stick, the stick of the Shevet Levi, he put somewhere in the middle. No one should think that there's some extra probability that his stick will be the one that produces flowers. And this is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a miraculous sign that he has chosen Aaron. Now we really have to think about this. First of all, this stick that had Aaron's name on it did not represent Aaron only. It represented the entire Shevet Levi. As we see in Pasuk Yudches, it says, Aaron's name you should write on the stick that belongs to Mate Levi, to the tribe of Levi. So it's not really Aaron's stick, it's the stick of the tribe of Levi. And if so, when that stick sprouted flowers, it would not seem to be a sign about the sign testifying to the choice of Aaron exclusively, but rather it's a sign that the entire Shevet Levi has been chosen for some special tasks and some special privileges. That's one question. If, if the point over here is to prove that Aaron is Hashem's chosen one, well then why is the sign such a, a sign in, as such a sign that also testifies to the special qualities of his entire tribe of Levi. Another thing we need to understand in this narrative is that in this Misa, in this act that took place here, there is also a simon, there is a sign for the general greatness of all the Shvatim, of all the tribes, because all of them were placed, they were all placed in the Mishkan, in front of the testimony, in front of the Luchay Sabris, in the holiest part of the Mishkan. That in itself is a very great honor. And every, the tribe of every stick was placed, the, 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 the stick belonging to Reuben and Shimon and, and Yehuda, etc., etc. Everyone had that great honor that a stick representing his tribe was placed in the in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the holiest part of the Mishkan. And not only that, one of the Shvatim, we're not told exactly which one, but one of them had the special merit that its stick was placed closest to the Shechina, closest to the Aaron HaKodesh, even closer than the stick of Aaron and the Levian. Now, if we're coming here to, to make a point, to prove that Aaron is the man. So why do we also include signs that all of Shevet Levi is special? And why does this include a simon, a sign, that really all Jews, all the tribes of Israel are special? The answer is what we said before, that the mistake of Korach and his congregation was not primarily that they did not appreciate the greatness of Aaron. Rather, primarily, their fault was they did not appreciate their own significance as being Yisraelim and as being 
Levium. That they did not appreciate uh, sufficiently. And therefore, it would appear that the Matos brought out three points to refute Korach's error. Number one, through the Matos we see the special love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for every member of Klai Yisrael. Because we see that a stick representing each and every tribe was allowed to be placed in that holiest of places, where normally we, we don't just bring things in over there. But the name of every tribe, of the whole Klai Yisrael, was placed over there. Secondly, we see that there is a special greatness to the tribe of Levi, which was Koirach's own tribe, because the stick that eventually flowered miraculously was not the stick that belonged to Aaron. It had Aaron's name on it, but it did not represent Aaron. It represented Matelevi, as we discussed from the from Pasuk Yudches. And thirdly, we do see that although everyone is great, but Aaron does have a special aspect of greatness because that stick that flowered did have his name written on it. But we see that Aaron's greatness, the greatness of the Kohanim, is in no way to be considered a contradiction to the greatness of the entire tribe of Levi, and it is in no way a contradiction to the greatness of the whole Klal Yisrael. It is certainly no, con- no contradiction to the greatness of the tribe of Levi, because in fact, the flowers that represent Aaron's greatness were blossoming from the stick that represents Levi. So they, they have to be something great also. And even the sticks that belong to the other Shvatim, I would like to suggest that the flowering of Aaron's stick is not some sort of a rejection of theirs, but rather it is something that is growing out of their sticks. It's as if all of as if the flowers that are growing from Aaron's stick are growing from all of them, because those others the Aaron's stick is referred to as being the Seich Matoisam. It was amongst their sticks. So it's as if you had this collection of sticks, and from this collection of sticks, flowers sprouted. So it is an ornament to all of them. And this is how we should look at the institutions of Kahuna and Malchus and Levium and Levia, that they are the glory of the Klal Yisrael. They are the jewels in our crown. And in fact, I think we can see this from a piece of Rambam. The Rambam in the third chapter of Hilchas Talmud Torah very famously, very famously says the following. Yisrael. Klal Yisrael was crowned with three crowns. Keser Torah, one of them is the crown of Torah. The Keser Kahuna, the crown of priesthood, the Keser Malchus, and the crown of kingdom. Keser Kahuna Zochavei Aaron, the crown of priesthood, Aaron was Zoicha. Aaron merited to get that crown, etc. Keser Malchus Zochavei David, 
the crown of kingdom, David HaMelech merited that crown. He became the king, and his progeny after them, after him inherited his kingdom from generation to generation. Now, the Rambam starts off by saying that Am Yisrael was crowned with three crowns. Then he says the crown of Kahuna was taken by Aaron. The crown of Malchus was taken by David. We should just say parenthetically, that the crown of Torah is left for anybody who puts in the work and studies Torah, he will be crowned by the crown of Torah. Now, does the Rambam mean that after Aaron and David took what was took what they were able to take, after Aaron took the crown of Kahuna and David took the crown of Malchus, does it mean that now the Klai Yisrael only has one crown? I don't think it means that. Rather, I believe it. the Rambam means that even though Aaron merited Kahuna and David merited Malchus, Klai Yisrael still has three crowns. This that the Rambam says at the beginning of his sentence, that Klai Yisrael was crowned with three crowns, I believe that is for eternity. Klai Yisrael still to this day has three crowns. You'll say to me, but the average Jew is not a Koyin. That doesn't matter. He is crowned with the crown of Kahuna. The Kahanim are not a contradiction to this Jew's greatness. They are the jewel in his own crown. You'll say to me, but this average Jew, he's not a descendant of David Melech. He's never going to be king. But he is glorified by the glory of the kings. The kings are the jewel in this plain Jew's crown. This is how we are really supposed to relate to these special and privileged groups, that they are in no way a contradiction to our own greatness as quote-unquote plain Jews. In fact, they are our glory. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash Minagain Be More.